to Inside the Helix, a podcast presentation from DNA Genetics. Throughout this series, we focus on all things that matter to the pork industry. You'll hear from our award-winning team of geneticists, veterinarians, animal care providers, nutritionists, and other industry-leading experts. We'll explore pig production from genetic improvement all the way to meat quality. Listen along as we take a deep dive inside the DNA Helix. Last time on Inside the Helix, we introduced the five pillars of reproductive care developed by DNA Genetics. We talked about the first pillar, guilt development, with Dr. John Sonderman, and today we're focused on the second pillar, estrus detection. My guest is Dr. Stephen Trelau, Director of Reproductive Physiology with DNA Genetics. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Trelau. Thanks, Curtis. Pleasure to be here. Steve, get us started off here. Why is estrus detection so important to understand and work with within the industry today? Maybe just give us a, an introduction. Sure, Curtis. Be happy to. The high rate of adoption of AI in the pig industry has shifted the decision about breeding from a consensus between the boar and the sour, the gilt, to the caretaker. However, a well-executed estrus detection program allows the interaction of the boar and the sow to provide the necessary information to make a simple decision about whether to breed or not. This requires the caretaker to accurately and consistently execute an estrus detection plan to find sows and gilts and heat for a timely insemination. So let's dive into this a bit, Steve. What are maybe some of the non-negotiables for a successful estrus detection? Yeah, Curtis, there there are several that I consider non-negotiables. The first one I think is we need the right boars preferably older mature boars. If we're thinking English breeds such as Duroc, Hamp, York, Landrace, they need to be 10 months old or approximately 300 days of old at minimum. If we're looking at Michon boars, which most of the industry has at the moment, they need to be between probably 100 and 120 days minimum. These boars are ideal for heat check. They're smaller and reach puberty three to four months younger. And the Michons seem to work really well as teams on farms, too. So, so, so why do we prefer maybe some of the older boars? Is there a, a, what's the reason for that? Some of the older boars were just, that's what we had originally. It hasn't been until, I'd say, maybe the last 10, 15 years that the Michon boars really taken over as a boar that's a lot easier to manage. They don't get as big as the English lines. And uh, the English lines had a tendency to get just too big, and they get a little ornery over with age too. And so the replacement rate was a little higher and they were a little tougher to manage compared to the Maison boar. Okay. Well then let's take it to that next level then and look at the number of boars that we need. Yeah. So typically I like to see in crated situation where we're heat checking wean sows, probably one boar to four or five sows. You don't want to get too many, but you too many boars that they're pushing each other around and interrupting a a little session between a male and a female, but you still need enough to cover the area that you're looking to heat check. Yeah. So we talked about those non-negotiables so far of having the right bore and the right number. What are maybe some of the other criteria that we need in proper bore exposure? Yeah. The first one that's really important is housing of bores. They need to be housed away from the animals that you're going to be heat checking. They need to be housed at the fan end of the barn. So it pulls their odor out of the barn. So the presence of them, their sound and their smell isn't noticed by animals that you want to be heat checking maybe in a couple hours or so. The best option is actually to put them in another room or another barn that females are in that you're not going to be heat checking in the near future. So you want to watch your wean sows and the group that 
is your 21-day returns to keep your bores away from them to minimize the refractory period. Feeding bores before working is also uh, very important. They need to have the energy to go out and do the job that you want them to do. In terms of where you bring the bores, you want to make sure all the feed's cleaned up there so they're focused on heat-checking sows for you and not uh, eating feed. You don't want them to get too distracted. No, you don't want them distracted <laughs> at all because you got things to do and right, so do they. Right. So let's get focused. You need a method to control the speed with which your boars are exposed to your sow. So that might be gates or uh, it might be uh, remote control carts. They work as great gates as well. If you're working with pens with gilt and or sows, um, make sure you got enough space in that pen for boars to go in and do a good job of mixing with your sows or gilts. And the last thing you really need are good trained employees that understand your protocol and your expectations of that protocol. Let's better understand the timing. When should we start heat checking weaned sows? Good question. And this question will continue to go on for time <laughs> going forward. But in my opinion, we need to start heat checking weaned sows the day of, or at minimum the next day after weaning. I like to start heat checking the day of because some of those sows are in heat on uh, that day. They weaned in the crate for one reason or another, and they may not be in heat the first day. At least you know when that sow cycled, and you may not breed her, but you can now choose to call her or put her aside, and you know when she's going to cycle again, rather than having this hard head that winds up in a pen on day 10 to 12 that doesn't get heat checked real well. And how so, did maybe genetics play into this too? Yeah, you need to understand the genetics that you've got too. Some sows respond um, with a longer weaned estrus interval than others do. For example, the DNA 241, it's not uncommon to have at least 20%, maybe more of those sows in heat on day three. And I know a lot of farms begin heat checking on day four and they, they kind of miss some opportunity there. So be aware of your genetics and uh, their optimal weaned estrus interval. And you don't want to miss those sows because those sows that come into heat on the, the earliest after weaning are typically your sows that have the highest farrowing rate in total born. Earlier we talked about about having the right boars and, and making sure they're the right age and, and all of those kinds of things. How are the boars used then for estrus detection? <clears throat> so I'll, I'll break my answer up into uh, two, two parts, one for crates and one for pins. For crates, Good to place a single bore or a team of bore in front of a number of sows that you can give adequate attention to to make an informed decision about their estrus status. This will typically require gating them at some point in time on the front and back of the group or team to uh, prevent them from getting too far down the track. On some of the larger farms, I've seen bores kept between two remote control carts in a controlled way to, to control access to females. And it works very well. Mm. So employees can keep their attention on heat checking and move those remote control gates as they need to. They can back them up or move them around and uh, focus bores on sows if they need to. It really works nice. All right. And so then you, that was in, in crates then. So then let's look at, at sows or gilts and pens. What are maybe some of the guidelines or things that that producer should consider? Yeah, so we mentioned in the non-negotiables to make sure that we've got enough room in our pen for a boar to go in there and to make sure we get good mixing with our sows or gilts. One boar for 10 to 12 females works great in a pen for about 10 to 15 minutes. Also, with dealing with pens, we need to remember that we are also intending to do 
more exposure to stimulate wean sows to come into heat as well as estrus detection. So boar exposure for estrus detection takes less time than boar exposure for stimulating heat. So, so you may be done heat checking, but need to keep the boars in the pens a little longer to stimulate those not yet in heat. And then maybe if sows are then maybe moved to crates then, what, what should we consider? Yeah, so if sows are moved to crates for breeding, remove them as quickly as possible so that uh, boars can focus on the sows that still remain in the pens. It's the idea of getting that sow out that's in heat that the boars are focused on and getting them out of their sight so they focus on those that are not in heat yet. So. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. So, Steve, what are we looking for then as we heat check? So, in, in general, I'm looking for three types of females to start with. I'm looking for females that have early signs of heat, and but they're not in heat yet. I want to identify those. I want to mark those so that I give those special attention tomorrow so that I don't, I don't pass up on those. And what I'm looking for there is to make sure that that female isn't refractory. That's what's in the back of my mind for tomorrow. That's what the mark is for, to mark those suspects. The second one is I'm looking for sows that are obviously in rock-solid standing heat. It's time to breed. Um, that's the second category. The third one is I'm probably looking over sows that I bred yesterday, and I'm looking for signs that sows are going out of heat. Sows that have had an insemination, are they, do they still need another one, or are they going out of heat and we don't want to breed? So we, we don't want to breed sows that are going out of heat because there's a risk of uh, infection, therefore compromising fertility. So then what should we be looking for that the boar finds and responds to? Yeah, so some of the signs of heat that um, we're looking for there, the, the early signs of heat include swelling and reddening of the vulva caused by increasing levels of estrogen produced by developing follicles on the ovary. At the same time, they will begin to show mild interest in the boar. Um, they may pursue the boar a little bit or allow the boar to jump on them or mount a little bit. If uh, in pens, uh, sows will begin to ride other sows and likely seek out the boars we talked about. Um, they may let other sows or boars attempt to mount them or nudge the flank area without crazy running around. Mm -hmm. So they, they look like they're starting to show some interest. They'll, they'll let boars mount, but they'll uh, take off pretty quickly out from underneath them. They may show some interest to back pressure, but again, they will uh, walk out from underneath that pretty quickly as well. If in crates, a lot of times you'll see females attempt to go after the boar. They'll push on the head of the gate. They'll stick their head in that corner and really try to push at it going after the boar or find him. They will try to climb the side of the crate in an attempt to mount the neighboring sow or gilt. Sows will not stand for back pressure tests, but they'll give you the idea that they might stand. So they, they show some signs that are, that are early. So. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any other signs that the boar will respond to? Yeah. So these sows and gilts that are in the early stages, they'll begin to produce a little bit of mucus in preparation for mating. It may be this very small amount for gilts just in the crease of the vulva. Sows, you may not see much at all, if any. And again, you want to mark these sows or gilts and to, to make sure that you give them careful attention the next day. So then the uh, second group of sows that we look, we're finding that the signs to breed as the follicles on the ovary continue to develop they produce more estrogen causing these early signs that we talked about to become much more prominent so the sows will begin to uh, produce more mucus and they will definitely seek after the boar much more aggressively 
try to mount other sows either either in a pen or in a grate. They will uh, be much more aggressive in those activities than they were the day before. So you really want to monitor these sows then over the next several hours. Yeah. So what are some of the things that we would be looking for in maybe the next 12 to 24 hours? So the, the next 12 to 24 hours, the gilt or sow will typically come into standing heat and respond to back pressure. So before they didn't respond to it, they kind of moved away from you. And here they're going to they're gonna stand for mounting. Boars are going to mount sows in pens and will attempt to breed. So these sows will have uh, much more mucus discharge. It's very pronounced uh, in gilts. The reddening of the vulva will typically have subsided noticeably. These sows and gilts are now ready for insemination. So most of these gilts or sows will respond to boars in, a, in this manner for the, the next 24 to 30 hours for as many as one or two more services yet. Yes, so now we found that our, our animals are in heat. Their estrus has been detected. Um, when is the best time to breed after okay. we've figured out this process? Mm-hmm. From a biological perspective, the best time to breed is several hours before ovulation. However, uh, practically on our farms, the best time is when you find them in heat. Um, multiple inseminations are advised as long as the sour gilt is in standing heat. Delayed insemination is not recommended when heat checking is done once a day. Yeah, yeah. So then how will a, a producer or someone that's working in the barns know when to stop breeding or maybe not to give that second or that, that third service? Yeah, that that could be probably the most challenging question of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I I think a lot of producers are asking that question. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting one, and I get a lot of response back from it. But um, the way I've learned to uh, try to communicate the the biology or the physiology of the female in this is, number one, don't breed sows or gilts that are not in heat. And that's pretty simple and straightforward, and most people don't. The next one here is do not breed sows or gilts that are going out of heat. And the question always is, okay, what's a sour gilt that's going out of heat? Because they still show heat. They'll still stand a little bit. And uh, the best way I've been able to really kind of describe it is females should stand as well or better for the second and third services as they did for the first service. If signs of heat are less than the first insemination, or diminishing compared to the first insemination. They are going out of heat and insemination is not recommended. Now, Steve, can you predict the time of ovulation with estrus detection to possibly reduce the number of inseminations? Uh, that's a good question, and people often want to know the answer to that, yeah. too, because it, obviously it saves a lot of time if yeah. you can, uh, and saves a lot of semen, too, if you can uh, delay that or avoid that. But Theoretically, the answer to your question is yes. Uh, practically, the answer is no. And the, the reason for that is, is the data that generated that thought process is sound and is good, but we've got to remember that they were university people dedicated to understanding this question, and they heat check six times a day or in four-hour intervals. And they got a rough idea of when ovulation occurred, but not a very precise one with reference to even giving a single insemination then. So you've got to be really good to be able to do this well, and most people are not, so it's not recommended that anybody even really attempts that. 
Yeah. I pro- I personally wouldn't on a per- on a commercial production farm. Yeah. Yeah. As we kind of summarize here then as we're talking in our discussion on estrus detection, what are maybe some things that producers should watch out for as they go through this process, whether maybe it's through the boar exposure or whether it's through the breeding process, what are, what are some things that people should be cautious of? Yeah, there's, there's a number of those, uh, watch outs. The, the first one, and there's no particular order here at all, Uh Curtis, but, um, is boar fatigue. And this happens, especially with boars in pens of gilts. Gilts can be very hard on boars. Typically the boars are small and are about the same size as the gilts and uh, they can go after them pretty aggressively. The other one is uh, if we've got a large farm with a large number of wean sows, we got to be careful that boars start laying down instead of doing their job, then it's it's time to trade that team out for another team. So, and you've got to be sensitive to that. I, I can't give you really good guidelines on what's good and what's bad there, but be aware of the fact that boars wear out and you need to trade them out when they're wearing out. Another one is... Uh, boars and pins eating from feeders versus checking gilt. So I see this a lot because typically um, gilts are on full feed when we heat check them in pins and the feeders there and it's just a big temptation for boars that really like to eat. And the Michon boar is no different than any other pig it likes to eat. So we've got to be aware of that and it's if you can at all possibly run the feeders empty that would be great. Um, that's not always possible, but be aware that that's an issue. Along that line, if you could ever work it out to where you can move gilts to boars, that obviously takes care of that problem, and it really works quite well. However, most production systems cannot accommodate that kind of space. So, But just throwing it out there, if you've got the opportunity, that is uh, a nice way of dealing with this. Yeah, you mentioned that refractory period earlier, too. What do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, refractory period is um, after the female has been stimulated by the boar and shows the standing lordosis response to that boar, that's a very energy expensive process. And they will do that for a period of time, but then they need to relax all the muscles and get their strength back. And uh, it's during that relaxation period that they're refractory to boars. And they may be in heat, but they're not going to show any interest in the boar or show any signs of standing. So that's one thing you just need to be aware of. In our last episode, Steve, I talked with Dr. John Sonderman about guilt development, and we got into the topic of heat no service, and he really emphasized the concept, the, the practice of making sure we're doing this at the right, the right pace and the right speed with keeping those boars out there. What are your recommendations there? Yeah, so you can go too fast with this, and you can drive boars past sows a little bit too quickly. It give the boar and the sow some time to interact. I've seen many times when one boar goes past and another one shows up and the sow responds to that boar. So that's the kind of pace you need to kind of look for and be aware of that, uh, okay, just because that sow didn't respond to that boar doesn't mean the next one might not be the one that helps you understand she's in heat. And if that's happening you're going at the right pace. But if you never see that, you might be going just a bit too fast. So that's how I kind of judge that a little bit too. On the flip side, you can go too slow also and create refractory sows. So you want to keep a good pace going to where you're, you're, you're getting the information you need, but then move on. 
because if you got too many sows that take you too long, then you, you get to the point where sows do go refractory. And the time limit there is, in, in my thought process and experience, has been once the boars come into the barn to start heat checking wean sows, you need to be done in 30 minutes. So get the right number of boars and the right number of people to accomplish that goal within 30 minutes. And then you won't, you won't be pushed to go too fast and you won't have the refractory boars from going too slow. Yeah, we're talking about areas for producers to watch out for as they're working in estrus detection. Let's move into maybe some of those things that producers should pay attention to or watch out for when it comes to insemination then. Yeah, we mentioned earlier about delayed insemination. So we do not recommend delaying insemination until the next day at all. That just gets you into a spot where you potentially do a late insemination the following day when the sow or gilt is going out of heat. So we need to be careful about late detection. So those things result in late insemination and typically insemination takes after ovulation there and there's a risk of infection. So the goal there is to really be on top of looking for sows at the onset of heat so we don't have those latent inseminations. So be aggressive up front. Breeding early is not a problem. Breeding late and after ovulation is a problem. So be aggressive with your heat check and make sure you're finding those sows at the onset of heat. Really know and understand those early signs and mark those sows so you can come back to them the next day and, and effectively make good decisions. So really, Steve, what I'm gathering is during the heat checking process, producers really need to not only assess the needs of individual pigs, but also look at the herd as a whole. Yeah, you need to see the big picture. It's easy to get caught up into the two or three sows that are in front of you at the moment. Although those sows are important and you need to pay attention to those, take time to look all the way down the row of the sows that you're looking for. Look for sows that are showing signs of heat. Jump down there, mark them quick, and then come back. If you've got gates or remote-controlled carts, make sure you're looking at a few sows in front of those because those can be in heat too, and and you don't want to miss those as well. The other one is look behind a little bit too because some sows will respond after the boar's been past them. I've seen that many, many times, and I think most producers know that. But it's a reminder to kind of look behind you once in a while too. So pick your head up a little bit and kind of stretch and, and look right and left and kind of with, with intention to pick that up. The other one that I found is uh, real interesting is when you're entering a building in the morning for the first time, look and listen for sows that might be in heat. I've, I've found many sows there that I've marked and come back later with the boars to do heat check and they're not in heat. Well, what happens is they're in that refractory period. So always when you walk into a building, always look for that. And if you find one that's not marked, make sure you mark her so that those sows get bred or you get you got the opportunity to make a good decision on them. Some producer, Steve, may have heard of the two-thirds rule. What What is meant and intended by this two-thirds rule? The two-thirds rule comes from a paper that was published a number of years ago that shows that ovulation takes place about two-thirds of the way through the estrus period. These researchers did a great job in establishing that information for us, but to do that, they had to heat check every four hours or six times a day. 
So this applies to the ideal female of which you may have one or two in a particular day. So we heat check. So each sow gets an opportunity to get your attention for maybe two to five minutes of a day. The other 23 hours and 55 minutes, it doesn't get your attention. So this rule does not apply well to everyday heat check and insemination decisions. Although it is true that that does happen, it's just that we never know where we're at in that sliding scale when we find them in, we never really find their onset of heat. Yeah. What about vasectomized boars? Is that something that that producer should consider? Yeah. Vasectomized boars are highly recommended for uh, heat checking gilts and sows and pens. With the labor challenges that we have today, this can really be a, a nice alternative to be able to uh, get more work done with one employee, but still prevent those natural matings from occurring from live boars. So if you can at all use V-bores, they, they work really good. Are there any genetic differences that you're seeing in maybe some of your work? Yeah, there are. Um, there are different genotypes. We've talked a little bit about that earlier, but be aware that, that, that you're adapting your estrus detection protocol to the genetics that you have. Some sows and lines you can go a little bit faster on than others, and some may take a little bit more time, and you, you may just need to push the boar past them and then come back a little bit and check them when the boar is absent. So a lot of different ways to do it. Just be aware that there are differences and that you're looking for them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Steve, we're running out of time a bit today, but any final tip that you want to leave with producers today? One final tip I'd, I'd like to leave, and that's that guilt startups and estrus detection. Guilt startups tend to bring heat check bores in at the same age of the gilts and struggle with estrus detection. What I would recommend there is if they're using English breed bores such as hamster ox, Yorks, Landrace, that they schedule older boars in with those shipments, that those boars are three to four months older than the gilts or in that 10 to 11 month age range. Michon boars, if you're using those, they can be the same age as your gilts because they're going to be in, in a good spot at their age and the age of the gilts to do a good job for you. So mature boars are needed to stimulate gilts. Um, just make sure that you're working with your genetic supplier and people when you do a gilt startup that you get the right boars so that you get the right, so that you have great success and a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, Steve, you've covered a lot today. We've, we've talked about a lot of different aspects of estrus detection. What is maybe one summarizing key point that you would want to leave with producers as they're working through the process of estrus detection? What is maybe the most important thing out of everything that we've talked about today? I think the most important thing is to make sure that you're looking for those early signs that you're finding these gilts and sows as soon after onset of heat as you possibly can or at onset of heat so that your first insemination is before ovulation. Insemination must take place before ovulation. If it takes place after ovulation, you compromise fertility in bearing rate and total born both. So I think the the most important one is is to make sure you're aggressively finding those gilts and sows as soon after onset of heat as you possibly can. All right, very good information. Thank you very much, Dr. Stephen Trelau, Director of Reproductive Physiology with DNA Genetics. That covers the second pillar of DNA Genetics, five pillars of reproductive care. 
On the next episode of Inside the Helix, we'll learn about the third pillar, which covers body condition management. Until next time, I'm Curtis Harms with Inside the Helix. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Helix, presented by DNA Genetics. Inside the Helix is released every other Tuesday and is focused on what matters to the swine industry. To catch up on previous episodes, visit us online at dnaswinegenetics.com or find us at your favorite podcast streaming platforms. You can also keep up with DNA Genetics throughout the year by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For Inside the Helix, I'm Curtis Harms. Thank you.